0: I've lost you, Dave.
1: Are we starting this thing? We're live, folks. I did not hear it start, so we're live.
2: Dave, I think we lost you.
1: Nope, I'm still here. I'm waiting for the music for us to all start off.
2: Oh, all right.
1: (laughs) It's really interesting. So the uh, the technology says it's all working. So, folks, if you're dialed in, we see a lot of people dialing in and being with us. It's uh, Blog Talk is working through the issues. It was interesting. The website was down all weekend long. So we're just going to get started without the normal entry, the fanfare and entry. I don't know what happened to it. We'll try it one more time here and see if it's going to start up for us. But if it doesn't, then I'm not going to worry about it. We we don't, like one person said, you don't need an intro. You don't need no stinking intro. Just get it started, Lickin. I appreciate that. It's so funny. So good to have many of you with us. We're broadcasting live from Austin, Texas. Again, this is David Licken. We're Our normal uh, ads and all of that are not going to be playing, it looks like. Blog Talk Radio is going through some more technology issues. They're shifting this th- this website up. But uh, let's get started. It's Monday, August 24th. 2015. It's a great day. It just happens to be my birthday, everybody. So I'm turning 65 on this fine day. I, you know, girls don't talk about their age, Alice, but guys do. And we, you know, we're talking about like this is some kind of badge. I'm just happy to be still alive with all the things I've done in my life to be alive at 65. is probably a good thing. But we're enjoying the broadcast. So glad to have you with us and joining us again. This is one of those things where we're dealing with some issues as it relates to technology with blog talk. And I'll tell you more about some announcements, some changes that we're going to be doing here in the years, I mean, in the months, and weeks, and months ahead. Anyway, today we've got an hot topic segment, we have the hot topic, and I mean sizzling hot topic of market, ser- marketing service agreements (MSAs). And we've pre-recorded an interview with Howard Lax, and um, can't wait to really share this interview with him uh, with you all because it's really interesting to see uh... This where this topic goes. You know there is some allowance within the CFPB for MSAs, but when you hear when you hear Howard talk about it, you're going to begin to wonder. Well, there's some allowance for it, but is it going to work? Well, so stay tuned. We're going to get to that later in the hot topic segment. Again, this is the Liquid and Lending broadcast. We are created by this broadcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals obviously we're mortgage professionals and not broadcast professionals we're working on the professional side of that and still keep bringing it up but we thank you so much for so many of you writing us and telling us how this has been an effective way for you to get caught up in all that's going on in the market and it's an effective way and we have people dialing in i'm looking at Area codes from literally all over the country, uh, from coast to coast, north, south, east, and west. So we appreciate you tuning in. Also, a good number of you are tuning in as way of the um, as a way of the internet, and you can do that as well as you can go to iTunes if you have an iPhone, or I guess you can use iTunes even if you don't have iPhone. But in iPhone world, for the Apple world for so long, but you could also listen to broadcast by subscribing to the podcast uh, through itunes and so encourage you to do that as well one guy says i listen to broadcast two three times a week because there's so much content uh, you know, And he says, I, my stress levels go up when Alice is talking about all the regulations, but I'm on a treadmill, so I think it's the best place for me to get all the news about what's happening out there. I thought that was a humorous comment. Also, a special thank you to our sponsors. United Guarantee is, uh, again, the industry and my industry leader for the fourth consecutive row in, year in a row. They just do an outstanding job. And I really want to focus today on their staff, their leading staff. We had... Um, uh, Donna Peoples on here uh last week and talking about the innovation that's going on in the marketplace. And you look at what leading companies do in really difficult times, and I think United Guarantee is just a case study in what to do. And a lot of people say, Well, yeah, but they, they took their part A G A A G I A I G and they received money and and a bailout and that. But it yeah, money doesn't solve it. If you've had a lot of money and you're running a business, you know it's not that, it's leadership. And that's what I'm impressed about with their story because they are have been, again, for four consecutive years, the MI leader. And you look at their earnings, they consistently go up. They're positioned, and it's because of the innovation. Now, if you missed the innovation series that we had here over the last four weeks, five, six weeks, I guess it was, uh, go back and listen to those broadcasts. We encourage you to do so. Anyway, United Guarantee, encourage you to reach out and get to know your representative in your local market. And email me when you do. I'd love to hear uh, your experiences with them. And it's an outstanding company. The leadership they're bringing to our industry as well as the innovation is very encouraging. So check them out, United Guarantee, ugcorp.com, or go to our website and click on their link. Also, a special thank you to Velma, virtual electronic marketing assistant. Velma.com. Great group of people that help you get your message out. And uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about that, um, about how we reach out to people here in, in just a little bit later in the broadcast. Uh, but you've got to be looking at how you connect with your people, how you connect with your customers, your prospects. And Velma is just an outstanding assistant to us and a, vel- a, a valuable tool to the broadcast. It's good to have all of you with us and listening in on the broadcast, and we have, again, a big thank you goes out to Joe and Alice, who are here with me. Andy Shell, the Prophet Doctor, is on a call with one of the, his clients, and so he cannot join us today, but we've got a good number of people that are dialed in, and we have our regular broadcast run up. We may not have any music. Hopefully, we're going to be able to play the broadcast uh, with Howard here in a little bit, uh, the interview, and then the other things that are, are pushing the buttons are working right at the moment, but we'll see. Let's get off to the conferences that are coming up. Um, we've got the NBA Annual Conference, something you should be doing. There's still some discounts available to you to get into that conference. This one's going to be a pivotal one with all that's going on in the industry. It's in San Diego, so it's not a place bad place to go spend a week uh, collaborating and, uh, or in some cases commiserating with your uh, your uh, industry uh, partners and with your ind- with the rest of the industry here at this conference it should be a really really good conference. Encourage you to check it out. I'll be flying there this next weekend. I'm going to be at the DNH speaking at and participating in the DNH Connections Conference. Then also the Motivity Conference Users Conference is coming up. If you're inclined, if you're going to be there, I'd love to hear from you, connect with you while there. And then also I'll be speaking at the Northeast Mortgage Banking Conference in Providence. Excuse me, in Ro- um, Newport, Rhode Island. Flying into Providence, driving out there. It's a beautiful time of the year to be there and looking forward to seeing many of you there. We're going to be talking about um, some innovation that we're using and that others are beginning to use to really connect with a broader audience. I'll talk more about that. But without further ado, let's get into see what's going on in the markets. Joe Farr woke up this morning, checked my cell phone. Um, everything was fine until the markets opened, and then, wow, it felt like someone <laughs> cut the elevator cables. It was just like a plunge down. And, uh, after and it, it was, was a free of- fall. It seemed like it for a while. So, uh, give us an update on what's happening today. Like you say in your notes, all day—that's an understatement, my friend. Yeah.
0: Well, the the update is that we're we're we've recovered just about all the losses. Uh, uh, last time I looked, we were under um, 200 uh, as far as being uh, the loss on the Dow for the day. But, uh, like you said, early in the morning, uh, we had fallen over a thousand points, and. Uh, uh, And as a result, uh, the the only good thing about that is that MBS prices were up nicely. Uh, Although as the stock market has recovered their losses, MBS prices have given back some of their gains. And uh, we've seen a good amount of unfavorable price changes during the day. Uh, Like I mentioned, we were up a half a point at one point in the morning, and we're now up only 3.30 seconds. And so uh, been a pretty steep drop in prices just as there's been a pretty steep rise uh from the lows in the in the stock market and you know this is really just a carryover from what started last week you'll remember last thursday and friday we had a uh, pretty ugly uh two days in the stock market and a little bit of a good day in the bond market both days the the sell-off seems to have started you know in reaction to several things going on in china as uh, yeah, the combination of yeah. several things that the, the big drop in their stock market, the the devaluation of their currency, all of that and the speculation that their growth is really slowing much quicker than people anticipated, um, kind of started the, the sell off and, and we saw it spread certainly to, uh, Europe and the U S and, and, uh, happened again to begin today. Um, no economic data today, of course, that wouldn't have mattered based on what was going yeah. on.
1: <laughs> so, yeah,
0: yeah and, <laughs> and talking about it last week, uh, uh, last week MBS prices did improve, uh, substantially. We're, we were up uh, about three quarters of a point. Uh, most of that followed the minutes of the July 27th, 29th meeting of the Fed. Uh, those minutes were interpreted as telling the market that. A rate uh, rate hike in September was less likely than what had been expected. Uh, The minute-sided division among members as to when to hike and and thoughts about inflation being too low to hike. Uh, And, in fact, the Fed's own forecast for future inflation was revised lower. Uh, And all this led the market to believe that a September hike was not going to happen. Of course, after today, uh, the expectations are that it's, absolutely not going to happen and there'd have to be a pretty big uh turnaround for it to even be a December activity. Right. So, That's,
1: um that that, that that mean when you for those of us in the mortgage industry, that is uh that means we could see some good times. The housing market could stay strong. I was wondering, Joe, the the thought of increasing rates even before today's activity and Friday's, you know, Dow drop and again today's I mean, it just doesn't seem like the Feds would want to risk the bright spot in the economy, which is housing. And that's, I don't know that a, a sudden right would, would torpedo values per se, but it certainly would have a negative impact on housing activity. And so I was really questioning whether or not that was that that happened. But you know what? Uh, enough Fed governors want to get off the uh, stimulus and um, get back to, an, or quote, unquote, normalized monetary policy. So I guess... These are going to be interesting days. It's, it's, it anything's possible.
0: Well, it, it, at some point, it's going to be good for the housing industry if uh, if inflation were perceived to be picking up too quickly. Uh, yeah. Mortgage rates would rise much more so based on a bad inflation number uh, than they will based on the expectation of the Fed to raise rates. So. Uh, you know, we don't want to see inflation tick up too too fast, too soon. And uh, that's what could really slow things down. And, uh, you know, obviously a, a, an increase in the Fed funds rate is going to affect uh, the builder's cost of funds and, and, and things like that. But mortgage rates are going to be driven more based on the expect, uh, expected future inflation.
1: Very interesting. Uh, Very but last
0: interesting. week, you know, yeah, last week yeah. we, saw a good, we, we saw a good housing market, right? Yeah. We had the By National Association of good. Home Builders. Yeah, the the confidence level uh, uh, in their survey was at the highest level since 2005. Uh, then housing starts and existing home sales both rose to levels not seen since uh, 2007. So, you know, it's a housing market that has shown substantial improvement, and uh, and and here of late, uh, each month continues to show better improvement. Yeah, and, and the nice thing is. Core inflation is not an issue uh, at 1.8 percent.
1: Yeah, and this week we've got uh, next week. Yeah, we're going
0: to we're going to see another important inflation measure, especially given the Fed's uh, comments in the minutes about uh, their focus uh, so much so on inflation and the disagreements among members as to what that means. But the core PCE comes out on Friday. Uh, which is something that uh, it's the last inflation measure that uh, I believe it's the last that they're going to see before their meeting. And it is the one that they really focus on. So that comes out on Friday. But before that, we get some more housing data with uh, this is July, new home sales comes out tomorrow. And, uh, and then uh, pending home sales, July pending home sales on Thursday. Uh, the big event probably be the second look at the second quarter GDP and consensus calls for it to show uh, growth at a rate of 3.1% as opposed to the first estimate being at 3.2%. So hmm. uh that will show substantial improvement if that comes out that way. And then uh, also next week uh, or this week durable orders comes out on Wednesday and it's a it's a large uh you know indicator of, of economic growth, so it's something to pay attention to.
1: That's good stuff and with the volatility, how does anyone live without a system like yours, MBS quote line. I just, I do not understand how anyone can function without assist service like this. Just, just, it just baffles me. And I think it's almost, in, in in times of volatility, I mean, I could build a case it's irresponsible not to have MBS quote line out there, but I'm a strong advocate. Yeah, I'm a strong advocate of you, my friend. So I appreciate you so much taking time to be here with us. And uh, so that's some good news. And also I see that the, the profit doctor let us know, so we're going to be able to fit him into the broadcast here a little bit later on. His conference call got done, so that's really be good. He's got the full house. Well, let's push this button, Joe, and see if we got an app that's going to run. The technology is working for us. Let's give this a try, see if anything happens. Doesn't appear, unless you guys are hearing something, it doesn't appear that to be the case. No, I'm and, not. All right, well, we're not going to worry about you that. You did a, we'll a good
0: job, it. David
1: well we covered it we covered it well well it's good it's good to have you here Joe appreciate your insights folks check it out at www.mbsquoteline.com. is it irresponsible to not have it yeah I'll tell you I'm got <laughs> that you should have it all right let's bring Paul Mallow on it's always fun to hear what's going on with Paul Mallow and inside mortgage finance the blog IMF blog the great blog great blog Paul good to have you here with us IMFB
3: thank you, David, and happy birthday.
1: Oh, thank you, man.
3: 65, woo, woo, you made it. <laughs> you well, the big question all your all your listeners want to know, are, are, do you tap Social Security now or do you wait till you?
1: Well, yeah, you go back and forth and you go, you know, you better start getting in on it while there's still some money
4: left you
1: <laughs> things. things are looking here but uh yeah that's a big question we're going through it but yeah definitely getting signed up for medicare and all those things it's just a new Ooh. world it's just yeah it's pretty wow. exciting stuff so well we'll see where all that goes so man talk about exciting stuff on your website uh yeah i see blackstone uh, paying a premium uh, for stern? thats an interesting story, Paul. And you wrote that story. Give us some insights on on that one. Paying a premium.
3: Yeah, it, it's more of a question mark. I mean, Blackstone—you know—we've been reporting for months about who they're talking to, who they might be talking to, and then when they get deals done. We've been writing about all that, so we've been covering it fairly extensively. Yeah. And, and what I guess what's so amazing about this story Blackstone's a publicly traded company, giving out little in the way of details. Uh, about what they're doing in the mortgage space, you figure, all right, maybe it's not a material event in the scheme of things because you know Blackstone is huge, but you know everyone in the industry is talking about what they're doing, and and they're not giving out you know much in the way of detail. We knew Sterns was for sale; they've been for sale for at least a year. There was a book ad on them. We. Something we wrote about a year ago, or um, uh, Mr. Hale didn't really want to talk about it, or nor did he want the news out there that there was a book out mm-hmm. on the company when we first wrote about it uh, in September of last year. Uh, but you know, Blackstone is—you is, know—they're building; they're trying to build a national mortgage franchise, and uh, you know, their latest acquisition is Stearns. You know, the question is, what are they paid? How big of a, a chunk did they get? Uh, it's a majority stake, but you know, I guess the other question is, you know, what what they're going to do with this thing? Are they going to leave Sterns alone on on the left hand side and then you know merge together these three or four or five other acquisitions they've done since the spring? And and they're not talking, right. so uh, there's speculation. Eventually, you know, you've seen these things in your career. You know, there's no way people keep two separate companies going. Eventually there'll be some kind of merger of of the Stearns franchise in with the other things. At least, you know that's what most people are are talking about right now. So, uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out. And it would be nice if uh, Blackstone gave some interviews, but they're not likely to uh, at this point for whatever.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't hold breath. Although if anyone's going to get the story, you're going
3: to. You're going to get it one way well, or another. Mm-hmm. Nah, maybe not. <laughs> maybe they'll just spite me and give it to someone else. That's that's fine uh brandon ivy had a story about dave stevens uh he put out some blog the other day uh pushing for ending the GSE conservatorships um, you know the, the question is you know uh, you know how does this happen you know everyone knows legislatively nothing is going to happen right. uh maybe the big question is what what can the federal housing finance agency do at this point you know without congressional approval uh, and, you know, so that's that's a story that's really just the tip of the iceberg of, of the whole GSE question. Uh, but, you know, it, it made news. Uh, we also talked a little bit about what you guys were talking about uh, the stock market uh, crack up uh, and what it means for the mortgage industry. As, as Joe pointed out, you know, the stock market opened up down, I think it was 1,100 points or maybe just yeah. like, <laughs> 1,200. Those have been a lot of people with their hearts in their stomach this morning. Uh I think when I before I came on the air I, I checked uh where the market was and I think stocks were only down like a hundred and thirty points. So that's that's quite a recovery when you think about it. Uh but you listen, the yield on the ten year fell, bond prices rose and uh you know, I already talked to at least one lender, uh Dan Pearl, who said he woke up this morning and cut his rates by twenty five basis points. Yeah. Um uh, you know, the good news is maybe we'll get some more refis for lenders who need it and uh you know, makes housing more affordable, but at the same time, you know, when you have huge stock market losses and and they stick and don't recover, you know, sometimes that leads to layoffs, companies getting, you know, hurt financially for whatever reason, and, you know, that hurts uh, the, the, the mar- market, the home buying market, at least in that regard. So we'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, it's something that we're going to be talking about for, for weeks to come as as people figure out what China is up to out there. Uh, we also uh, had a, a a story by Brandon, I believe about uh the slow start to the non-QM uh uh business. That's that's really nothing new, but I guess last week uh, the news broke that Caliber was putting out a small uh MBS backed by non-QM loans. Uh it's, it's a tiny tiny offering, but it's the securitization but it looks like it was done in the private market. There's little in the way of detail on what kind of loans are in in the pool, but we're getting more information. We'll probably be doing an update on that. Uh we also went back and we looked at how the GSEs did in the second quarter with their multifamily business. Uh Carissa Chappelle had a story about that. We're uh, talking about, you know, some nice gains in, in multifamily income. Uh, I think Freddie's comprehensive income for multifamily grew by a hundred and two million to three hundred and sixty six million in the second quarter. Uh, you know, listen, the, the GSEs are big players in multifamily and I know there's a lot of uh non banks out there that would love would love nothing more. Uh, for the GSEs to, to continue to be a major source of uh, financing in the multifamily market. So, uh, and in short takes, we talked a little bit about uh, the dark side of lower rates. You know, as some uh, mortgage executives, I think Bill Dallas pointed out uh, when I talked to him this morning, or emailed him, I should say. You know, you got to keep in mind. Uh, you know, rates could go lower, but people who were sitting on a lot of stock market gains just saw those <laughs> stock market gains go up in smoke. Uh, so it's, you know, it all depends on when you buy, when, you know, when you sell your stocks, how much money you've taken off the table and, you know, what's ahead. But, you know, as, as Joe pointed out, you know, that, that loss of 1200 points this morning is now down to, uh, you know, dows down 140 or so. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how we sit, uh, at the end of, uh, the week on Friday. So, uh, that's all the, all the essential stuff for now. So I'll, I'll give it back to you.
1: Well, it's good. appreciate you so much. Um, I'm really interested in some of your comments about, uh, as we see the Republican candidate field um, just become more and more interesting. Uh, Any thoughts on Trump? I mean, I I, I love getting your commentary because you have got such a good sense of humor, but you do have a really interesting beat and perspective on things. So yeah, you know, being close to the Beltway, what is everyone thinking about Trump there? What is it just a is, is this just a great comedy act or is this that take it more seriously?
3: <laughs> well, listen, like everyone else, I think, you know, I, 6 weeks ago I thought it was a comedy act, now I'm starting to wonder. Uh, I don't know. Uh, listen, I I try I follow politics, but I I try and stay right down the middle and, and be you know, apolitical and and have an open mind to all the candidates. You know, listen, on on the other side of the equation, you have Bernie Sanders out there, you know, yeah. drawing huge rallies, uh, taking some of the market share, shall we say, away from, uh, you know, Hillary. And uh, you also, there was talk, I think, uh, over the weekend about Joe Biden doing something with Elizabeth Warren. So, yeah. you know, maybe Hillary's, maybe the bigger story is that Hillary's, you know, vulnerable. I mean, you have, I don't know, I lost track of you know. You know sixteen to seventeen people running for the nomination. I mean, who knows what, you know when this Donald Trump thing will peter out and uh, maybe it won't uh you know some Republican friends of mine I know are really high on John Eno Kaick of Ohio, seeing him as as a, as a sort of a pragmatic sober guy who's doesn't say stuff to get elected and and is you know a guy who helped b- balance the budget back when Clinton was in the White House. Uh, And I don't know if, uh, you know, a trivia question for your audience is, well, who was the OMB director at the time uh, when Clinton balanced the budget along with Congress? Do Do you know the answer to that?
1: No, I don't.
3: His name is Franklin Raines, and he used to run a little company called Fannie Mae. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy stuff like this that I, you know, I, I it stays in the back of my mind. I don't know how this political stuff's going to play out, and I, you know, I, you know, I can't even begin to fathom the whole thing. Uh, you know, you yeah, you you elect the best person who's going to steer the country on the right course and not say stuff just to get elected. And yeah, exactly. you know, and you know, for the mortgage industry, everyone wants to know about the future of Fannie and Freddie. And uh, you know, that's left exactly. or right, Democrat or Republican, who knows how that's going to play out?
1: Yeah. So. And if, if you're thinking about politics, you think about mortgage, and you look at this, you ask one question: What's your future? What are your plans for the GSEs? And uh, and that that really will define it as to. Else what's,
3: what's, yeah i would like to know that these 20 or so candidates or 15 or whatever you know that, that any of these guys come out with their platform yet on fanning freddie i doubt it i'm nope, not even ever. sure i'm not even sure donald donald trump knows who fanning freddie are but i wonder if he spent any time thinking yeah, about it, it. uh you he know.
1: contributed to their campaigns and they came to his wedding i don't know who knows yeah, who knows <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, no, I think he's a he's a pretty savvy, pretty pretty savvy businessman. So we'll see what happens with it. But you know, a lot of us who are just uh, you know finding that humorous are taking it a little more seriously as we're looking <laughs> at the, the overall climate. And, and I think it's a, a polarity. I think you look at Bernie Sanders and you look at Donald Trump. I think it makes a huge statement about where we're at politics. You're close to the beltway, so we always like getting your perspective. Thank you so much for taking the time to dial in, my friend. I always enjoy having you on and your commentary, Paul. Have a great rest of the week.
3: Thank you too. Bye bye.
1: You bet. Let's move over to Alan Alvey. Like that person <laughs> told me, Alice, he says, I have. To, I can only listen to Alice when I'm on the treadmill because that's the only time I can really <laughs> get take all the news. It helps my heart. So good to have you with us, Alice. How are you doing up there in pure cool Michigan?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you. Although still trying to get over my cold. So for everybody who's going, wow, she sounds funny today. You're right. So that's all I have to say about that. That's all um, I got but, to
1: say about that. Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, so, you know, we, Congress is in, uh, well, they're in doing state activities now. So they're out until after Labor Day. So I thought now would be a good time to just uh, give a quick update on a couple of things. Although I did see um, Buckley Sandler put in a good report on uh, the, a financial consulting firm that agreed to pay $15 million to resolve a, a New York uh, investigation. And I actually, you know, who else takes the time to read this stuff, right? That's why you all listen to the show, because you're going, I don't have to read that. Else is going to read it for me, I and I'll just get the first note. Of course, I don't think they call them clip notes anymore, but the idea behind this particular one I think is critical in the sense that when you hire a consulting firm to come in and conduct an audit, you don't get to turn around and tell them how to word the audit, right? We get this a lot. We come in, we'll audit a company. Um, we, you know, come back with some recommendations and we're usually pretty blunt. and I know you guys do audits as well and would be the same thing we're just going to tell you like we see it. And a lot of times you get companies that push back and say well, but I have to. I'm gonna have to show this report to a regulator so can't you soften this wording over here or, you know, to be factually correct can you use the, these descriptive words instead of the words that you chose. And that's really, when you get into the weeds of reading this particular firm, so this is a $15 million fine. It's a consulting firm that was doing some work for a bank and the players aren't necessarily material. And it's, I think my message here that I wanted to make sure folks listen to We're in a day today of lots of audits and the rebuttal process is big. Everybody wants a chance to rebut their findings. And um, this is an example of Outside consultants coming in need to tell it like it is and the lender doesn't get a chance. You can really have some severe fines and penalties if regulators coming in look and say, wait a minute, the auditor's not doing their job. So that's an example of what happened in this particular case. We also see this if you want to take it down to the next level and quality control, quality assurance, especially with that back and forth and the rebuttal process where, you know, even at the underwriting level, well, that's not the case. You shouldn't be writing this up. You should be calling it this. Your auditor's job is to tell you what you did wrong. And it's not like you get to turn. You can fix things. You can say, well, we did this corrective action. Certainly auditors might make a mistake or a document might be missing that gets added. But. When you do when it's wrong it's wrong you know so in auditing we have to draw black and white but then you have to translate that to your board on what is truly a financial risk right so black and white on day-to-day compliance can be one answer what truly represents a financial risk maybe something that has to be assessed in board level reporting so just a, a heads up that i wanted to give to folks that um when regulators start looking at the performance of consultants Um, And are they doing the right job to advise you correctly and are they truly arm's length, non-biased, not trying to buy in, Uh, that's when the consultant's doing their job. Um, I am going to also throw in a quick thing about um, the uh, couple of bills that are out there, House Bill 3393. Uh, The National Association of Mortgage uh, Brokers, now Mortgage Professionals, has been uh, trying to get a lot of word out about this particular bill to get the three-point test and the ATR QM rule changed to exclude the broker compensation. Uh, Their points are that this is really impacting lower income borrowers, and we certainly do have to take a close look at that. Does it completely exclude borrower options for using a broker in those lower loan amounts because it's going to go over the three-point test? So definitely something worth um considering uh it's just a quick short bill we're watching that one as well as you guys have already mentioned the need to watch fannie what is congress going to do with fannie and freddie and is anything going on in the markets going to cause them to pay attention to that um so we haven't seen any movement uh, we don't expect any movement even when they return in the fall we'll, we'll watch it closely but it's difficult to see right now that they'll really pay attention to uh the bills that are out there for um taking a look again at fannie mae and Freddie Mac. So there's a whole bill out there. It's uh, House Bill 1941 and Senate Bill 774 that cover the Financial uh, Institutions Examination Fairness and Reform Act. So those are the things that we're watching for you today, Dave, as uh, we all kind of watch the final days of summer come across here.
1: Um, across, yeah, it won't be long. The leaves will be turning up there in your Pacific, up there in your beautiful country. We're going to be staying hot down here in Texas for a while, but it is absolutely gorgeous up there in pure Michigan. What a great ad appreciate you dialing in and being here with us. I'm interested in your comments, and we're, as when we get into the Hot topic segment, hopefully we're going to play this interview. If not, I've got a lot of stuff. You and I can talk about it because you heard it. I've listened to it and recorded the interview, so there's a lot of information we can provide, even if we can't play this interview today but as intended. But thank you so much, Alice, for being here. Love it. And I'm going to try to push this Play Your Ad. Let's see if something happens with it. If not, we'll just go right on in and get into with Sam Garcia, and then Andy Schell will be right back. Let's see if this word works still dealing with uh, it's not technology so this could be a, um, a day so Alice be prepared to be uh, talking about my interview with Howard and we will be reenacting it. you and I hopefully and then if that's the case then I'll upload it on the on the internet so everyone can download and listen to it. but oh I'm example. not sure I'm
2: going to be as good as Howard that's for sure because um, he is uh, really good so hopefully well. we can-
1: yeah, hopefully we can get this all, all, all those things worked out. We'd like to do live interviews for one of these reasons, but uh, let's see what, what we can accomplish. But anyway, really right. some good information. We're going to be talking about it, and uh, so dust off those notes in case we have to go through okay. it. I've got well, a lot go of topics, because I, I took a lot of detailed notes from it. Let's. I just opened up the mic for Sam Garcia to join in. Sam, good to have you with us. MortgageDaily.com. Sam, what's happening?
5: Hey, Dave. Happy birthday. And uh, you're probably one of the youngest 65-year-olds I've ever met. Always a pleasure to talk to you. (laughs) What's going on today? Um, We got a report last week that we covered from Ellie May, And in that report, they said that during uh, July, the closing rate for mortgage originations was 66.2%. And that's significant because we went back and reviewed the data that LA has put out since 2011 and found that that was the highest closing rate uh, on any of those reports. So,
1: is that, do you know, Sam, if that's measuring from time of application, that's a, that we call that in the world of secondary pull through, and so it's a 66% pull through. Is that literally from time when disclosures go out? Or any amount of data is entered in. Do you do you recall and they're studying their metrics a little bit for that?
5: What they that what is? they say is they say that applications started within the previous ninety day cycle, closed. Okay.
1: Okay. So okay. So it's anything that started. Be interesting what they define as started. So so anyway, it, I would assume that would be if disclosures went out because that's when you seem to have a bona fide. No, that's actually the data.
5: applications as they input them into the uh, you know oh, encompass
1: actually, Oh, okay. So that would actually precede, possibly precede that, uh, because a sixty-six percent pull-through seems well. It's the highest of their experience. That seems low for an industry. But we'll we'll circle back. Any thoughts on that, Alice? I want to jump on with that with Alice real fast. I mean, what are you seeing as far as pull-through in your average with the clients you're working? That seems maybe that maybe that is the average, Alice
2: well and is that an average for retail i'm sorry i may have missed that is yeah, that, that is. retail is that yeah so that does sound a little it's well obviously that's going to be through one lls provider um right. and i think the driving force a lot behind that pull through is what are people putting in in the first place right um, so I think that dynamic has changed as an industry where much more has to go into our systems. We've got to start earlier on the mortgage process, whereas before we may have just called those inquiries, kept those in like a processing or a lead loop bucket. And as more and more companies are realizing, you know what, I had to call this an app and it's not going very far and it's in the early stages. I think that's another thing that's potentially, um, moving that statistic. But yeah. lenders get that number up. Uh, a good shop is going to be much, much higher than that. Good. good. And you know, one good. thing it
5: seems uh, that we see over time is that these, uh, this. This closing ratio increases as originations come down. You know, and it makes sense. People start working yeah. harder to close whatever their pipeline is, is, if rates are rising or you know yeah. if originations are falling. So, uh, but that that makes sense from there. But you know, regardless of how you define a uh, the closing ratio, well, at least we can look over time, knowing this data came from Ellie and compare it to prior periods. And so, whatever you might define it as, I would suspect that all those uh, ratios are higher at this point in time than they've been in a few years.
2: Well, with more resize too, right?
5: Right, right. Um, the we we yeah. oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: I was just I
1: was just going on to your next story here about Fannie Mae cuts 2015 and then lists 2016. Interesting.
5: Yeah, Fannie put out its uh, outlook uh, for August, and they're basically saying that they expect mortgage originations of $1.423 trillion. Uh, that's less than that Fannie predicted last month when it was $1.464 trillion, though not a whole lot. Uh, it's just kind of trimming. And then at the same time, like you said, they increased uh, the outlook for next year to $1.190 trillion from $1.171 trillion. Um, and last week's mortgage market index report, uh, it was at right. 113, the index, and that was down 20% from the prior week. Um, jumbo business was down more than half for the week, and it was kind of odd because uh, we saw that the spread between conforming loans and jumbo mortgages was 25 basis points in favor of jumbo loan. So it's 25 basis points less on the interest rate for a jumbo loan last week than it was on a conforming loan. Yet... Jumbo tumbled. It was like the biggest uh, losses uh, last week of any category we tracked. Uh, And that's, of course, data that we get from open close based on their average per user pricing uh, locks. Um, Delinquency was reported last week by Black Knight. They said that 90-day delinquency, including foreclosures, was at 6.11%. Uh, and that was 17 basis points better than in June. And in addition, the foreclosure inventory rate was down six basis points between those two months. So always good to have a little bit of good news on loan performance. Um, we got some interest in a story we put out last week. Uh, it was based on uh, information published by the community, independent Community Bankers of America. Um, and what they put out was a list of the top, uh, the, the the best uh, social media banks. And uh, these are the banks that do the best job, you know, among small community banks. And right. at the top, at the top of the list was Frost Bank here in Texas. And some of the metrics that uh, we went and looked at on Frostbank for their social media, uh, they have 73,000 likes on their Facebook page. They have almost 5,600 followers on their uh, LinkedIn page, which is just loaded with all kinds of career opportunities for their bank. And then uh, 187 subscribers to a well-produced YouTube page. Uh, they didn't really show any other uh, social media mediums. Um, so it was just those three, but yet they ascended to the top of the list and finally
1: uh go ahead, I'm sorry I'll come back and come that go ahead
5: yeah sir, and finally we uh we, we we of course do our mortgage daily second quarter origination survey where uh those companies that don't publicly report their financial data we collected from them directly, and we got freedom mortgages uh survey, and it showed that their production was up nineteen percent from the first quarter to the second quarter to ten point five billion pretty significant player hmm.
1: Fairly significant, yeah. Very interesting, you do such a good job of capturing a lot of great information. not only that your reports and your data in your in your site is just second to none, and it's really excellent. I love it uh yeah, I guess the n b a might challenge that they say we've got a lot of great data, but you really do have some excellent data and you collect it from so many different sources and you're really good on that. I really like the story about uh Texas Frostbank. I get to be with the uh the head of the independent community mortgage bankers uh of America, I get to be with her, her all day or all week next week in San Diego. real excited about that, and so
5: oh, great! You could pass on the uh, the story that we covered of time. Right.
1: So. I'll, I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up. So it's going to be real fun. A lot going on in the in the community banking space. Really strong data. Sam, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Stay warm. Stay cool up there. Stay warm. My gosh, we're we're roasting down here. Still, it's starting to. Hey, we we had research. one
5: good day. It was what, 66 degrees in the morning. I'm like what?
1: What? Yeah. What? Yeah. My pool cooled off. I couldn't get in it for there for a few hours until it got back to 100. <laughs> Not too much. All right. Have a thank have a good, good birthday, me. Dave. Hey, thank you so much. Really appreciate you being here with us, Sam. Have a great rest of the day. You too, Bye. You bet. All right, let's get over to the Profit Doctor real quickly. Uh, Profit Doctor, glad to hear you could get off your call in time to join us. What you got?
4: Hi, Dave. Thank you very much. Well, and first, as, as I should note first, happy birthday. Congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. You, you know, they, they, they say that the deferment return is over 8% by, by deferring to later in years. Every year you wait to collect Social Security is a, is an equivalent of an eight percent return on your um, money so that's what they say
3: yeah I, I, so I, think right I'm
1: in, I, I think i'm more interested in the return of capital than the return on capital so we may pull the trigger sooner than later i'm not i'm not worried about the fund going away in my lifetime or in my, in my Maybe not in my lifetime, but at least the to it started, but that's good. Interesting. It would be good that you do that. You do know the returns, the ROI. Now, what is the ROI? The famous uh, the Profit Doctor Statement. So, it's um, interesting getting your commentary on, on what's going on in the markets, Annie. And I know you're getting invited by the NBA again to participate in some more conferences that are coming up. Very significant. And uh, it's neat to know that you're a go-to person for them on a regular basis. Give us a quick update, and then we want to get into the interview with uh, Howard, hopefully.
4: Exactly. Hopefully it'll launch. Well, on the MBA front, we are actually launching a accounting webinar for the MBA coming up in just a couple of weeks. We're going to be starting on uh, September the 15th with our four-series accounting webinar. This goes from basic accounting through hedging through accounting for hedge transactions. Some of the most complex accounting uh, events occur within mortgage lending, and we talk about how to do it How to watch for it, what it means, why it makes your financial statement look funny, and how to understand what's really happening. So that's four-week sessions starting on September the 15th. You can register through MBA.org, the the campus or the the MBA education, and follow it through and and you can find it there. We're also building up a webinar on servicing versus subservicing, including the management of your subservicer, because as the servicer who is engaged to subservicer, that subservicer is under increased scrutiny as a third-party service provider under the CFPB third-party management rules. So there's lots to do. You have to check. You have to validate. You have to confirm. You have to test. There's lots to it. We actually do that as a business line, and we're showing people how to uh, make some of the decision between service versus subservice and then how to manage that subservice and in in our reports we uh, we don't mince words and we tell the truth and we, we like Alice was saying uh, you know we, we don't we don't hit them between the eyes but we we, we get pretty close I mean we we are factual in our observations, and you have to be. Otherwise, you know, the, the situations that Alice was referencing, I and mean, those were big companies. Deloitte has gotten sued and suspended. Price Coopers has gotten fined and suspended. Now, we do have a, a way that we work with companies on our consulting engagements when you're dealing with highly sensitive information that uh, protects the distribution of the report. And we can—that's a secret sauce we've got that we're not going to share openly. But we made it so that we can protect the con- protect the distribution of the report. But in the report, you have to tell the truth, which is what what we do. So it's a changing landscape out there, Dave. The rules are adapting. I'm excited to hear the MSA presentation today. We see the rules on that evolving and changing, and you know, it's like it's like a, my son, we used to leave to go out, and I'd say, okay, be home by 10. And he'd come home at 11, and go, I'd go, James, you're late. And he'd go, well, Dad, you said 11. I said, no, I said 10. He goes, no, you said 11. And it's like, you know, that's kind of what the CFPB's like. It's like they told us it was, it was 10, and now we come back, and it's something different. So you've got to be adaptable and ready to address these new rules. And uh, it's, like, it's like, Dave, I know you're a vocalist. You're a great, uh, very accomplished uh, singer you know, the Aretha Franklin song or, or respect R-E-S-P-E-C-T well, it's now like compliance is now spelled D-F-P-B, you know, so it's, it just bear and grin it, accept it, don't fight it, just make it happen and uh, life will be simpler. So anyway, happy birthday again, Dave.
1: Thank you so much, Andy. Appreciate you joining in folks. We have got uh, that was the prophet doctor. So good to have him on and so good to have many of you joining us in on the broadcast. The, earlier this week, uh, a couple I guess it was on Wednesday, I caught up with Howard Lacks, and it came as a result of Alice Alvey listening to him speak about MSAs at the Michigan Mortgage Lender Compliance uh, Workshop, and it was just an excellent uh, presentation. Alice called and says, Dave, you've got to get Howard on the broadcast and share this with our listeners. And so we caught up with him to record what hopefully I'm gonna hit the play button here in a minute. Hopefully this is gonna work. None of the other recordings are work, So if it doesn't, I'll share with you. But if it doesn't, then I'll upload it uh, to into, uh, into the. Uh, to the, the website for this broadcast after the fact and so you guys can listen to the audio and just one of those things that may be the play buttons or something going on technology wise where it's not working today but we'll find out in a minute but Alice uh, before we get into trying to play this interview uh, give us some little insights into Howard and, and um, he is a local Michigan Detroit based a uh, Troy based uh, attorney and um, give us some little insights into uh, who Howard is and uh, why you are such a why you encouraged me to have him invite him onto to the prog- program.
2: Sure thing. So um, Howard Lacks actually, I've known Howard for a long time. Um, he is with the Bodman PLC law firm in Troy, Michigan, Bodman Law, and I just think he's a great guy, and I love his perspective on mortgage law. He knows all the little uh, uh, little details that everyone needs. I'll give you an example of one of the things that came up on the call, not related to. Uh, to MSA's we were um, just talking about in the new trade world we are are we going to need escrow account disclosures and everybody's going well based on the new law we don't need to have TRID disclosures How, Or I'm sorry we don't need to. I said the wrong thing we don't need to have any color appraisal disclosure uh, based on the new disclosures trade disclosures that we're going to have and we're going oh we don't need a new we don't need to do any COA uh, oh, I'm sorry an escrow account disclosure boy I'm sorry my cold is getting in my head we don't need an escrow account disclosure because of the new trade rules. Howard's the one that that you know reminds everybody and says, well, wait a minute, but Fannie Mae Mortgage document references that you need to have an escrow disclosure. So it's that level of detail that I'm always um, uh, like Howard's feedback. Yeah, he's got the detail regarding the law, regarding even the mortgage industry. So um, he's very good at being able to pull those things together, and he's supported nationally, uh, but primarily here in Michigan. So we work with him a lot through our Michigan mortgage lenders.
1: Well, let's see if we can't play this interview. Stay tuned. Hold on. I'm running it. It says it's playing But, again, we're not hearing anything. I love it when technology works, and it's so frustrating when it doesn't. So, folks, when it comes to this interview, be sure to come back. Uh, log into the Lickin on Lending website it will be uploaded and we have a direct connection where we can upload after broadcast I'm confident it will get in there Uh, I'll also be calling blog talk but here's a couple things that I wrote down I took a lot of detailed notes anytime I do a pre-record of a broadcast then I go back and listen to it, edit out some of the oohs and ahs and don't change any of the content but I really just kind of clean up all those things. Like Joe Farr said, Joe, you said one time, he says, I always like listening to myself after you've done an edit day because I sound better. I can't. Joe, you sound good all the time.
2: Yeah, well, you we could have things. edited out all my stumbling just then.
1: Yeah, same, I was thinking about that. I was actually <laughs> thinking about that when you said that. So I go, we, we edit it out and we make us all look. And that's like Photoshopping, but one of the things that's so neat about live television, or live television or live radio is you catch it live and I think there's a more authenticity about it. And uh, when I talk, think about pre-recording and just going to that, then everyone says, no, 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 keep it live. But one of the things that really came out that I found was interesting in the interview, he started out, he talks about the Bodman Law Firm, he gave some insights of what he does, but he really, you get a quick sense of, first of all, he's got a great sense of humor. Uh, he, uh, he starts, he says, Dave, have you heard the latest mortgage banking jokes? And I won't get into any of the jokes, I'll let you, sh- he'll share those with you when you get together with him, or when you call him. Uh, but he's got a great sense of humor, it's a dry sense of humor, but his sense of detail is really interesting. He did a great job, and you'll hear this when you dial back in and listen to the broadcast. He gave a great sense of history of where MSAs started, how they grew, and it was really HUD. And, Alice, I'd love to have you jump in on some of this. It was HUD that actually helped define, refine those and brought it to a place where it looked like MSAs were going to be fine. At least HUD had gotten to a place of being comfortable with them. Now, several commentaries came out, and some people within CFPB says, you know what? Uh, HUD may be comfortable with them. They've been around the industry. We are not comfortable with them. And they began to, along with many other rules, start really ex- re examining the issue. And that's why we've had the changes. I want to get your perspective on that, Alice, from the standpoint of the history of the MSAs. If you recall from what Howard said, but there was a point in time that you'll hear when you he listen to the radio, when you listen to the interview, dial back in and listen, you'll hear that there was a period of time where HUD actually got to a point where they were. I wouldn't say blessing them per se, but they had gotten comfortable with with them being in the market and in a certain function. Do you want to add to that, Alice?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, all of this circles around essentially right Section 8 and kickbacks. What defines a kickback of something that might be a referral that's illegal that meets the tests of Section 8? And so, yeah, HUD was uh, working with many lenders over the last several years to be able to craft agreements that were legitimate in, in their presentation of being able to say, look, we're, we're going after some joint marketing. Um, this has been done for years. We're, you know There's a lot of advantages uh, to consumers. And anyway, many companies were able to structure those types of agreements. CFPB, in Howard's words that I wrote down, took a flyer. That was, those were his exact words I quoted on my notes here. They pulled everything out from what HUD did. And basically, Howard summed it up like this anything that increases referrals is illegal in the cfpb's eyes the way that they have now the the detail that's within the phh and the lighthouse um, right. um
1: title lawsuit yeah. yes mm-hmm. yeah what was really interesting about that there's and there's actually two provisions and, and I, I, when I was pressing Howard on this, so the, the most important thing that I want to go is uh, to jump in, and Andy's got a comment here. I'm going to go to Andy in just a second. But one of the things that, that he pointed out was is that there was a period of time that they were deemed acceptable within certain tolerances. But when CFPB got a hold of that, so that's when that shift and that's when that transition, and they've been studying them. One of the things we're learning about CFPB is they're very, very thorough, in their doing their research, uh, that some people will take exception to that because they go, how could they be thorough uh, if they're thorough? They're coming to the wrong conclusion on a lot of issues. And again, CFPB, I'm not. Don't write me and tell me you're defending CFPB. I'm not defending. I'm trying to re- tell you what's happening, what we're hearing, what's happening other They're looking at things now. You can argue the objectivity; if they're not, but they're whole focus is does this benefit the consumer or are the consumer being harmed and they've come to the point where they said with the exception of two things you are going to be harmed it has to be the two exceptions are it has to be neutral based I said how can you have it have pressed Howard and how can you have a neutral based marketing agreement and he said it's very very difficult it says while well, they create an allowance for a neutral uh, then the other thing is it can create where it's acceptable if it creates a marketing niche where you couldn't otherwise connect and he used the example i believe the example he used is i hope i'm not misquoting him on that but it was was a small community where you couldn't otherwise get into that market and by creating that but in no way when it says neutral you cannot benefit from anyone else in the con in, in that market by a result of having this MSA relationship with this marketing service agreement. Uh, Andy Shell, jump on in, and you, you had a question, and I want to get that thought out as we get through this, um,
4: this topic. Go ahead. Well, I can't wait to hear the, the audio of this. Uh, but the, the other piece of this that I've heard is, is it's, it's a function of potentially limiting competition, and in limiting competition because you have a captive audience with a realtor walking the borrower down to the loan originator within the same office, and that's that the CFPB thinks creates a lack of competition, which it does, because they then believe then it creates a um, price disadvantage to the consumer because they then don't go anywhere else, don't shop around and get a worse deal. And what I've seen in how most a lot of originators that I've talked to are dealing with this is they're actually pricing the MSA channels at an advantage to the consumer. So yeah, it's a captive audience. Yeah, there's some, some implied authority their realtor has in walking them to the originator. But the pricing those channels are receiving is actually better than straight retail. So if they go on the internet, look around, they're still going to get a better deal by going this way. And so for the folks that are having MSAs that price them as an advantage to the consumer, I think that goes a long ways in helping to defend the practice because you are clearly not disadvantage in the consumer
1: right and I think it is it is it a disadvantage by encouraging that uh, the consumer to go to a relationship regardless if it's a better price or worse price and, and the CFPB seems to have taken the position that if you do any amount of directing that famous word steering whether it be a product or or to a relationship the lighthouse was the biggest one but then I came back and asked Howard this I said why is it that we're only hearing lawsuits Towards the lenders and not the counterparties, specifically the realtors. And he said, "That's a great question." And the reality is, is all the lawsuits are focused at just the lender side at this point. And there appears, with a few exceptions, all of the suits are not going after the realtor who are as complicit in this of this referral relationship as anything. So it 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 is seemingly. Uh, These are my words on Howard's. That it it does not quite seem to be quite fair, and that is they're just the reality of where things are at. Um, So I I really see that that there's there's some um, um, Alice. I'd say it looks like this. This is a one-way door. There's not a two-way door on this one. Alice, jump on into some of the neutrality and the marketing niche concepts. Some of the notes that you had from that. Again, I can't wish. I apologize, listeners, that we are unable to play the interview. Just the block talk technology is just not with us today. But you know, what are your thoughts on the ne- neutrality? and neutral based. It's it, when I was interviewing Howard, it sounded very, very difficult to meet that rule. Or even if you did meet that rule, it was going to get tested. So then I came to the conclusion. I said, Howard, if it's going to be tested and it's going to draw scrutiny just because you have an MSA, a marketing service agreement in place, and you're drawing this scrutiny, is it even worth it? Because he, 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 if you can prove that it's revenue neutral, you can spend so much money and time and distraction defending it. Doesn't really make sense. And he goes, "That's the problem with."
2: Right.
1: Or, I don't know if sure those those are my words, not his. Again, so I'm not trying to quote him here. Go ahead.
2: Right. And actually, I want to clarify too, because I wrote, you know, that I my quotes from talking to or uh, from Howard participating in our other call, and certainly. He would be the best one to describe his quotes, so I want to yeah. defer, you know, to that. I, should, I, you know, apologize, Howard, if I, I don't think I paraphrase too much. But anyway, the I think from uh, the the point that you're making is, you know, if you look, for example, at what Lighthouse failed to do, they failed to determine or document a method for determination of the fair market value for the services it received. Uh, Lighthouse monitor whether it received. Lighthouse determined its fees in part based on the number and value of the referral. So nothing about this is, was it a benefit to the borrower in the end? It was the process of the MFA, the business that it brought to the company. And if the company is still making money at it, and as you alluded to earlier, the borrower isn't giving a choice. It's not about, you know, we used to be able to walk around and go, hey, as long as I gave them the best rate and the best price, I'm okay, I'm not going to get written up for anything. And this, I think, changes that because if your entity is gaining referrals um, from, regardless of the benefit or non-benefit to the borrower, if you're gaining a referral, it will be under scrutiny and unless you've got this documentation um, that you've talked about and I just listed, it's going to be tough to defend.
1: Well, not only is it tough to defend, but the cost and the distraction to defend it. Right. So that's why we're saying when you look at the companies that have already endured lit- litigation, or like Wells Fargo, what some of the other was it, City, Wells Fargo. Who else is some of the big names? You recall? Anyone recall who those uh, those some were the names were pulled out of it? I believe. Oh, Providence
4: PHH. H-H.
1: That's right they all pulled out they said it's just not worth it now we happen to have a client that is one of the largest MSA lenders and they have structured this thing in such a way and I have not I'm not mentioning their name many people know who they are there's a lot of talk i mean there that there are rumors that i keep getting called is i hear the cfpb is in such and such a company can you sub you know said no i can't substantiate that but we know that cfpb is doing a very thorough job of looking at these and the question for you and the way you're running your business is, can you meet, if you choose to go this path, can you meet a neutral-based, uh, you know, as it relates to marketing, Can you, is it neutral-based? In other words, is you, are you gaining any financial, any inordinate advantage if you are in any way, shape, or form? Or, here's the bigger issue, as Alice just pointed out, if you can't defend that you're not receiving that you're probably assumed to be guilty of that the second thing is is creating a marketing niche if you're going into a particular market you have no access to again you're meeting the neutrality rule and you're getting access to a market and you're helping everyone in that market recognize all the other competitors out there you might have a defensible position but do you want to go to that expense do you want to go to the work of doing that and that's why many lenders have made the decision to exit it just doesn't make sense it's a distraction so i think we're going to see the uh, MSAs, by and large, um, we may see some exceptions that, go the way of the dodo bird. We're going to see, was there ever a dodo bird, Andy? You're the, you're the fact-checker we go to. It doesn't matter. It's going to go the way of the dodo it may. It's just not going to probably exist, is what the, where Howard said. It's going to be very difficult. Now, if you're looking for someone to help you sort through those issues, I can't. Uh, there's many good law firms out there. We have Mitch Kyder on. We have all the different attorneys on here. And, and we go to all of them for their thoughts. But certainly I was impressed with Howard's command of the subject. Oh, he is certainly on top of these. And while he is a local Michigan-based attorney serving mostly the Michigan market, he does serve 20 other states. And I encourage you to pick up the information, pick up this phone and get to know him or call him. I'll put his information up on our website. Check it out. Joe for I want to get your thoughts as you listen to this. We haven't had involved you in a lot of this discussion. I apologize for that, but I want to get your thoughts as we get no ready problem. to go to the window. or maybe you're staring at the screen. I'm going to click over to your screen and see what's going on here on, on the markets.
0: Now, I actually I, I I'm I'm questioning where you where where you stop earning the business to to where you start being given the business. And I mean uh, that uh, literally uh, I think, I think that, Yeah, that is the but uh, the you know, you offer the best service and you get their business. You offer the better price and you get their business. Uh, yeah. That's not too far off from what you're what you're saying. The CFPB saying is not right.
1: That's right. So where does that line end? And I think that that becomes the issues where you start looking at the various ways in which business has got. It. I think what this opens up is a potential can of worms. It's just we're going to have to be so circumspect. We're going to have to be so aware about how we're going about this. Because of the way things are in with CFPB and their interest to protect the consumer, and yes, many of us who believe and watch the CFPB, we think they may be overstepping it in some areas and actually costing the well. This is there's solid evidence now that it's costing the consumers more. Um, any final comments, Joe? I'll go. Joe, Andy, and Alice, let's go run that. Right. Any co- closing comments as we exit the broadcast today?
0: Well, I'll just give everyone a heads up on the market because uh, stocks have turned a little bit more negative. they're They're down uh, three hundred and sixty now. MBS prices have improved just a little bit. We're up four we're, whereas we were up uh,
5: two and three it,
0: times during the show.
1: so why are we I've been to ask you why are we not seeing a, more of a flight to quality? You'll have to talk about that next week on there. That's just a, that's really interesting. yeah, this, it's huh? a,
0: it that is surprising to me that that we haven't seen a, a more improvement, but I think part of that is that mortgage rates are just
1: pretty low. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So I think they're already it's already priced in the market. Andy, your thoughts as we close out the program?
4: Point. I think one point is that uh, it is possible to continue to do this. There's MSAs, I mean, in particular, and there are companies out there doing it. Obviously, there's lots of scrutiny, but one big company we know of has a. Letter from CFPB with no action. So, I mean, one you never know what's going to happen tomorrow, but it is still possible to do these well. So I would just say just because you have it doesn't mean you're wrong, but also just because you have it could mean you're wrong. So <laughs> get somebody to check and do the best you can.
1: Well, the company that you're referring to we're not going to mention they, on the broadcast has really invested a lot of money to sort this out. And they, they went knocking up, if I understand the story, they went and knocked on the door of CFPB and say, here's how we're going to be going about it. So uh, I think that, that that it's, its you know, I think it's for those that dive into the details of these things and really cross the T's. And that uh, smaller companies can't afford to do that, but it may be the advantage to the bigger guys who can pull that off. Alice, any thoughts as we exit out?
2: Yeah, I'll throw in a couple of last things there. Um, it wasn't just about the agreements. If I recall from talking with Howard, it was about how you executed the agreement. So, you know, it's both sides. It's not just that you think you're going to be able to stand behind your agreement, but it's how you're executing. And keep in mind, CFPB is going back eight to ten years. So this is not just yes. what have you done lately. They're going way back because in order to analyze exactly what's been going on, and you know how different the markets were over that period of time. So you're getting different results and different challenges in your ability to support your position.
1: Folks, Appreciate you tuning in and being here with us. Apologize for the audio issues as it relates to not being able to play any of the recorded ads. Of course, none of you probably missed the ads terribly. you have rather listened to us chatter on. It's a number of you have written this, but I know you're missing the interview today. I will be reloading the interview, and I'll be posting it tomorrow. I'll do it tonight. It'll be on, and I'm going to be a separate broadcast where it's just the interview of Howard. Apologize that we have those issues. I'm confident that if we load it, it will be there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of the week. And look forward to having you back here next week as we'll be talking some really interesting information. We're going to be talking about the secondary markets, the developments in the secondary markets. I've got Eileen O'Grady coming back, looking forward. looking forward to her contribution to another real interesting episode. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you soon.